0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy and romance and all the magical places they intersect. I'm here with my first cup of coffee, Mm, which is delicious. Hummingbird is busily feeding on the Russian sage. She's looking fat and happy. And today is Friday. I think it's September 18th. Does that sound right? I'm correct. It's uh, a cool this morning. There's a little breeze blowing. It's about fifty-two degrees right now, I think. <sighs> um, I'm sore. <laughs> I'm sore from yesterday. So we, um, as as advertised, took the day off and went up to Lake Abiquiu, which is um, where George O'Keefe had her home it's a beautiful part of New Mexico not at the lake but at the she had two houses um, a winter house in the town of Abiquiu, the village of Abiquiu, which is very very small and then her summer house was uh you know not far it's uh, these days it's like a 10 minute drive up the road up on Ghost Ranch but um I mean, at least 10 minutes to get to Ghost Ranch. It might have taken longer to drill into her house. But uh, in the winter, it was impassable. So she would, in the wintertime, move into the village. Ah, So it was a lovely day on the lake. There were not many people there, so we scored on that. Uh, And then the best part is, is that David finally tried out his kayak. As we had bought these last fall, almost a year ago now. And he had been on his once, Um, you know, and he waxes and wines with the Parkinson's. Sometimes he feels better than others, and he just hadn't been feeling that great because we bought him like late, it was mid to late October last year, and so we didn't have much season left anyway, and he tried it out once, and then we, um, of course... It was 2020, (laughs) and so we had the pandemic, and water levels were low, and we just hadn't been out. So he finally resolved, because he knew I was sad that I hadn't been able to take my kayak out. I've been on mine a lot more than he had been on his. And so I just kept, you know, it's a subtle art with your spouse, right? You know, it's like you want to keep poking them without bugging them to death, and We unloaded the kayak and we found this great spot on the beach. And so, what what you do is you we take the jeep down to the end of the boat ramp and then unload the kayaks there. And I asked David, I said, "Do you want to unload your kayak? Do you want to leave it up there?" Because they're a little bit of a pain in the ass to get up there. And he says, "No, I'll unload it." So we unloaded it and put all the kayak stuff in them, and then drove. And there was a spot sort of on the beach. I'm air quotes around that um, because it is a lake. But there was one couple on this stretch of sand, not far from the boat dock, and we could get easily quite far from them, not invade their social distance. So, but to do that, you have to drive back up because there's water in between. (laughs) You can't go from here to there. So we had to drive back up and parked in sort of the temporary space, unloaded all of our stuff like our folding chairs and our cooler and that kind of thing, and carried those down to set up our spot on the beach. And I told David, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get the kayaks and paddle them over so that we have them right here at our spot. He said, okay. So I, you know, went and got mine, paddled it over, and then went back over and got his and paddled it over. And he was fishing from the shore. So one of the reasons we decided to get the kayaks is because it's – Shore fishing isn't always good in New Mexico. And we have very rocky, um, I want to say landscape, rocky beaches. Uh, the beaches tend to be rocky. Our lakes tend to be rocky in general because most of them are created by Army Corps of Engineers. They're almost all water retention projects because New Mexico just doesn't do natural lakes (laughs) not many Um, so Abiquiu is basically a wide spot on the Chama River and there's a dam so you know a lot of these where the water fills up that landscape hasn't been smoothed down by the lake over eons right over thousands of years so it's It's basically rocky landscape that has had water on it for a little while. So it's not smoothed down. It's very jagged. And there's not always good places to stand and fish from shore. And that's if the fish are really coming into shore, which they aren't always. This may be more than you ever wanted to know about fishing in New Mexico, but stick with me. So it can be a challenge for us sometimes when we go out to go fishing. you know. And usually that means that I am reading... Or I am paddling my kayak these days. Or my stand-up paddle board. I did for a while. And, or I have my floaty chair. Sometimes I just drink wine and float my floaty chair and read. Uh, <laughs> which is fun also. But um, it's not always fu- easy to find a good spot. And sometimes if it's crowded, you know, like even in non-pandemic times, we don't like being that close to other people. So... There aren't that many good smooth spots to get to. And sometimes you'd have to, we had got this little cart even so that we could walk. But sometimes it could mean like hiking a mile or more over a pretty rough landscape to find a spot. And David had long been moaning that he wished that he had a boat. And I tell you what, people, if I could afford to buy him a fishing boat, I would do it in a heartbeat. And I almost did one year. But, you know, then it would be all the expense of the licensing and fuel, you know, and the trailer and all of these things. I, I would love if I had that money and and we just don't. So when he suggested buying the kayaks, because he had seen some fishing videos of guys fishing from kayaks, I was like, hey, you know, that's actually affordable. So he had tried the kayak once. And I think what happened was we... You know, we were new to it and we, I don't think we had his seat properly fixed because one of the keys to the kayak, getting that to work correctly, is to get the right tension between your lower back where it presses against the seat and your feet. There are little footholds and you need you really need to brace that line along the bottom of your body to really get the good balance and the paddling. So yesterday I'd gone and paddled around some and it was gorgeous. It was one of the great things <laughs> about the water being so low is the boat ramps are not great for a lot of people to get their boats in. And there were almost no power boats on the lake at all. Nobody was out there water skiing and it was glassy smooth. It was just beautiful beautiful for kayaking and I pedaled my kayak out to the very center of Lake Abiquiu and just sat there and sort of looked around and it was so quiet except for the sounds of nature and it was um it was just so so wonderful I don't have words enough so then I was back on shore and reading and David was fishing and he wasn't getting any uh, fish biting which you know That's always a crapshoot anyway. You never know. And it was a little hot. It was surprisingly hot. And I was saying, you know, it's much cooler on the water. And you won't get more perfect conditions than this to practice with the paddle boat. You know, and we were sort of in this little cove. And nobody else was around. And it was fairly shallow. And, you know, and he's so funny because he says, well, he said, but if that kayak turns over, I'd be a dead duck. And I said, no, that's why you wear a life jacket. And he said, you know, the life jacket keeps you afloat. That's why we wear them. And he says, yes, but other people aren't as stiff as he is. And I'm like, no, the life jackets are designed to float you face up and keep you alive even if you're unconscious. That's that's the life jacket deal. I don't know. Is this being good wife or bad wife? I can't tell. So finally he decides, okay, fine, he's going to try it. And so he gets his set up, and he gets in the boat. We get him all fixed up, and he goes out, and he starts paddling it around. And, you know, he is naturally athletic. It's amazing to me what that kind of talent is like. I think I mentioned it with the golfing, too. It's like, I am not naturally (laughs) athletic. You know, and David can just pick stuff up so fast. It's really amazing. Uh, And so he was you know, like within minutes, paddling around with a natural. And he's like, this is really nice. And I can't even tip this over. You know, it'd be really hard to try to tip it over. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I tried to tell him that part, too. So then he tried fishing from his kayak. And he was out there for a couple hours. And it, and he was so excited about it. And so the upshot of this whole story is um, once we decide to clean up for the day, we just loaded all of our stuff onto the kayaks and it all fit on there between the two of us. And we paddled the kayaks over around to the bottom of the boat ramp and pulled them ashore and then just drove the car down. Oh, I think I left out that, that after the staging area where we unload our stuff for the campsite or the you know beach site. Then we have to park farther up and walk back down. So this time we just drove the car down, loaded everything into it. And so now in the future, what we can do is we can do that. Just drive the vehicle down to the end of the boat ramp, load up the kayaks, park the car, and then we can paddle and look for a site. And so mom, like those situations, you know, where we spent an hour driving around uh, Heron Lake, we wouldn't have to do that. We could just, all we'd have to do is find a boat ramp and then we can just paddle and find a spot. So I'm very excited about this, and it, he's um, he's all lit up about it. So it was an excellent day. Now he wants to go again, so that works for me. Because I really I've been trying to pry him into kayaking pretty much all summer long. <laughs> so let's see. There were a couple of things I wanted to tell you guys. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm a little froggy i think i mentioned on was it yesterday that i talked about it i can't remember which day i talked about it you know like the reader saying the thing about to jennifer Step about oh she also said that her writing was simplistic she said you know and, and she started out with i don't want to hurt I, i'm afraid this will hurt your feelings but you know i'm waiting for your writing to mature from first person to third person which is as I talked about yesterday complete and utter bullshit without meaning and and then she said and also you're writing simplistic, but I still love your books you know and it's like I, I don't understand what possesses people to say things like this I feel like anytime you want to preface something with I'm afraid this will hurt your feelings or no offense but or maybe I shouldn't post this but all of those are cues not to post it. <laughs> right there that's that's your subconscious telling you no don't say this um and i saw one a reader posted to grace draven the other day where she said um you are my second favorite author she said after ilona andrews and then use the hashtag sorry not sorry with a smiley face and it's like i think Maybe she expected because Ilona Andrews is a very popular author that, you know, Grace is supposed to be like, oh, well, of course, you know, everybody loves Ilona Andrews best. And it's like, no, you, you don't tell people that <laughs> they're your second favorite after this other person and then be all sorry, not sorry. Um, there is really, for readers talking to each other, you know, of course, you're going to talk about who's your favorite author and you know you might even rank them and it changes over time and all of that's perfectly fine and but you know you don't need to tell the authors that Uh, I, I said something to Grace about it and she says I I shine because of their glitter you know she has a good sense of humor about it but you know it's a it's a funny syndrome where I don't know Maybe it comes from our competitive society where people feel like they have to rank. You know, you get first, second, third place. You're a winner or you're a loser. That's by Trump imitation. (laughs) Uh, It's, I don't know. When people ask me who my favorite author is, I I cannot say. I mean, and that's not just being kind. (laughs) I have a... um, lots and lots of authors who i enjoy reading uh and i don't i don't feel like that's something we need to put you know like a ranking on there doesn't have to be a best and a second best so it's just a a funny thing uh i've yeah i'm not gonna say anything more about it than that it's just like uh You know, it it sort of goes back to the thing about the, like I was talking about with Cressley Cole and the champagne problems. Um, What's really funny is that podcast where I talked about Cressley Cole must have gotten posted to some reader forum or something because it's gotten a huge number of listens, way higher than any of my other podcasts, and and that I, I don't know if I told you guys or not, but Um, one of Cressley's readers wrote me a really lovely email and said that I had made her think about things in a different way and that she realized that, you know, though she knew the pandemic year had been really hard on everybody, that somehow she hadn't thought about Cressley as being a person too and having problems too. And I think that might be some of what's behind this, you know, that And I remember how I used to feel about authors, especially when I was a little girl, you know, that in some ways they were not real people to me. They were like these sort of, I don't know, magical beings who birthed books, (laughs) fairies or something. I don't know. I remember hearing about an author who I loved who had died, and I had a hard time putting together how, how could they have gotten sick and died because they were a writer <laughs> I, you know maybe because their books lived on it was an interesting moment when I just sort of reframe my world and think about oh writers can get sick and die and I think maybe some of that persists where you know people who are celebrities in some way or who we know because of their art that they don't feel the same to us as the people we know every day um, but you know like you don't tell your friends you're my best friend and you're my second best friend or at least I hope you don't <laughs> and let's see there was one other thing I was going to mention what was it it was something to do with characters or POV uh. I I thought about it while I was running on the treadmill, and I was going to write it down, but I did not have my handy pad of notepaper there. Oh, well, if I think of it over the weekend, I will write it down for Monday. How's that? So I am going back to Dark Wizard. Um, Oh, I did ask Editor Jenny yesterday. I think I mentioned that she... um, had said that she was going to have edit on promised queen for me, and I'd asked her if, how extensive she thought they'd be, and if she had a sense of her timeline, just so I could plan my life. You know, because you guys know I have to write this anthology story, right? Or Leslie Penelope will kill me. <laughs> um, sorry, I just can't help poking at her, and so, I hope you, I hope you appreciate my humor, Leslie. Um, So Jenny replied to me, and she said, um, so far I don't have any changes. And then she put in parentheses, seriously, you killed it. But I still have the ending to read through, so if anything, there'll be pretty light minor fixes. I'll have a better sense tomorrow once I'm done going through. So that's exciting, huh? Seriously, you guys, I killed it. I killed that revision. I thought I did that revision pretty well. I was happy with it. So I killed it. Nothing finer than to hear that from your editor. So, it looks like I won't have to do much on Promised Queen to get it ready to go and out the door. So, next few days are transition time. I will probably work on Sunday, since I took yesterday off. Um, you know, I've got the, you know, like what, maybe 9,000 words left on Dark Wizard or so. I just want to get enough of an ending on there. For the beta readers, but now that this, I think I explained to you guys how the option worked on uh, Promise Queen and Forgotten Empires. If I didn't, and you want to know, let me know. But uh, now is our turnaround time because once Jenny sends Promise Queen to copy edits, which is what will happen next, is she'll send me her edits if she has any, which she doesn't so far. I just thought I should revisit that in case you guys missed it. Um, Once I send her any fixes, then it goes on to copy edits. And then we can... That frees me, basically, of my non-compete. We go start going through option negotiations with Dark Wizard or with St. Martin's on what they want to do next, and all of these things I've been waiting on can finally move. So that'll be good. So Dark Wizard will get complete, Promised Queen will go out the door, and... Then I can write this anthology story, which I even know what it's going to be. So, hey, things are looking up. All right. And none of that will happen unless I get to work. So, I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you'll find other podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all on Monday. Take care. Bye bye.